tonight. Let us hear the Holy Gospel. Peace be unto all. And to your spirit. Our from the Holy Gospel according to the evangelist St. Mark. Whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. But whosoever shall lose his life for my sake in the Gospels, the same shall save it. For what shall it profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Whosoever therefore shall be ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him also shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he cometh in his glory of his Father and of the holy angels. And he said unto them, Verily I say unto you, there be some of them that stand here, which shall not taste of death, till they have seen the kingdom of God come with power. The Lord answered and spoke unto them again by parables, and said, The kingdom of heaven is like unto a certain king, which made a marriage for his son, and sent forth his servants to call them that were bidden to the wedding, and they would not come. Again he sent forth other servants, saying, Tell them which are bidden, Behold, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen and my fat things are killed, and all things are ready. Come unto the marriage. But they made light of it, and went their ways, one to his farm, another to his merchandise. And the remnant took his servants, and entreated them spitefully, and slew them. But when the king heard thereof, he was wroth and sent forth his armies, and destroyed those murderers and burned up their city. Then saith he to his servants, The wedding is ready, but they which were bidden were not worthy. Go ye therefore into the highways, and as many as ye shall find, bid them to the marriage. So those servants went out into the highways, and gathered together all as many as they found, both good and bad, and the wedding was furnished with guests. And when the king came in to see the guests, he saw there a man which had not on a wedding garment. And he saith unto him, Friend, how camest thou in hither, not having a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then said the king to the servants, Bind him hand and foot, and take him away, and cast him into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth, for many are called, but few are chosen. Glory to thee, O Lord. Glory to thee. Please be seated. Welcome on the after feast for the veneration of the cross. And at the end of the service, we will have a chance to venerate the cross again as we do on Wednesday night. And if you miss that service, you missed a blessing. But we'll give you a chance to catch up a little bit today. Last week we had a gospel that was similar in nature to this gospel today. And I'm speaking about the gospel of Matthew, about the wedding feast. Last week we heard about the vineyard 
and the Jews and how they rejected all God's blessings that God had bestowed upon them through the centuries and went their own way and despitefully slew the ministers that were coming to minister to them. Well, today we follow that gospel up with a similar gospel, which speaks today about a wedding. This gospel is about not all the past blessings that God's bestowed upon us and why we should worship him because of those blessings. This is about the future blessings that God will bestow upon us and why we should worship him and how we should worship him because of all the things he's going to do for us. This is the contrast between the two gospels. They both, though, speak about the kingdom of God and what God is like as a father who desires that all men be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Well, today we see we're being invited to a great banquet. But it's not just any banquet. This is a special occasion. It's a wedding. Perhaps you have children and you want to see them get married. It's a great day to look forward to. You've been to weddings. You know how great weddings are. Weddings are just a great time. I always cry at weddings. They're so beautiful to see two people join themselves to God and to each other and to go forward into life and hopefully a long and happy life. Well, the wedding is a special time indeed. It's a great occasion. I think it's kind of the landmark point in your life when you become an adult. Who you choose to marry, young people, makes a lot of difference in your life. Matter of fact, I would say it casts a huge pale for good or for bad over your life. It's a great day, though, to go to a wedding. We're all filled with hope and joy and happiness and all the prospects of life that union and love can bring are laid forth before us on that special day. It's the greatest personal feast I think a person can partake of themselves. It's an uncommon feast. It's getting more common, but it's still an uncommon feast. It's supposed to be once in a lifetime that we get this wedding feast. It's a unique time when parents pull out all the stops. You hear about weddings that cost $2 million, $3 million, $25 million. 20,000, 10,000, whatever the budget can afford, it's not too much to spend for a wedding. It's time to spend on everything. The food is perfect. The entertainment is great. The couple looks beautiful. All the bridegrooms and the bridesmaids are all adorned in all sorts of fancy and expensive attire. It's a special day, truly. The place is special. Should be in a church, by the way, Orthodox people. The place is special. The food is special. The table settings are special. Everything's special. But you know what the most special thing is? Who's invited to the wedding? When you invite someone and you make that list out for the wedding, it's all the people in your life that have meant something to you. It's a special list of people. The people that you invite to a wedding just isn't everybody off the street because it's expensive to feed them. <laughs> but it's a list of people that mean something, that you care about. It's a special, special time. The beloved of the bride and groom and the family are invited. They're people that mean something to the family. You have to be special to get invited. The thing about weddings, though, is also when you send out invitations, you ask for RSVP, Respondez s'il vous plaît, in French. It's about the few, it's one of the few times the French get into our language. We ask for people to respond because we know, and it's truly a fact, that not everyone that's bidden to a wedding shows up, do they? Matter of fact, I just had a wedding that I was invited to in Texas. I didn't go to the wedding. Shame on me. I didn't go because I was a friend of the Father more than I was of the bride. And I didn't go because it was a long way. And I didn't go because it's expensive to fly down there. 
And I didn't really think I needed to be there. And you know what? Nobody pushed me to come. I didn't get a call from the dad saying, hey, are you coming to the wedding? Put a twist in my arm. If he had called me, I probably would have gotten the plane tickets and gone. But I didn't get any of those things. And so I didn't really feel compelled to go to this wedding. I guess my love for the bride and my love for the dad, who was my personal friend, just wasn't great enough to get over the inconvenience of going to the wedding. I guess I just didn't appreciate it all enough to move myself. Well, my brothers and sisters, God is throwing a wedding feast. And this gospel today is a description of that feast, and it gives us an insight into what the kingdom of God is like. God is drawing a parallel between a wedding feast and all the riches of the feast and what the eternal kingdom is like. What he's laying forth for you. He's laying forth a special feast. It's an eternal feast and banquet. It goes forever. It never ends. And it never gets old. I think if we in the body tried to attend a long feast after a few days, we'd get kind of down about it. There was feasts in the Old Testament where the king is held for seven days straight. There was drinking and nobody, it says, held back on the wine. <laughs> a seven-day party. I don't think our flesh can endure that, but in eternity where the body is different and it's loosened and it's lightened, we can be in an eternal banquet and never get tired of that banquet. Just enjoy it forever. Imagine how great of a feast that's going to be. I wonder, though, do we really appreciate our place at that banquet? And who's inviting us and what that banquet's going to be really like? You know, when I was invited to that wedding that I didn't go to, I was a friend of the dad, basically. You're being invited to a feast where you're the bride. Imagine not showing up to that feast. You're the bride. Well, when I think of that not showing up as the bride, the word I, that comes to mind is incredulous. How could someone not show up and not be willing to attend such a feast when they're the bride and everything's laid forth by someone else? You know, God's using this description of that wedding and the feelings that we have right now thinking about not showing up to give us some idea of how much he really loves us and what he's really set forth for us in inviting us to this feast. We shouldn't refuse to go the distance to spend the time, to spend the money, to spend the expense, to spend the energy, because we're not just the old friend of the family. We're the bride, and this is a feast. And the one that's inviting us is God Almighty, our creator, and the provider and sustainer of our lives every day. Jesus tells us this parable, and he says that kingdom of heaven is like a certain king, that's God, who's calling a, a marriage feast for his son, which is Jesus Christ. And so he sends forth servants, and he says he sends forth servants to call them that were bidden. This is like a double call. That's because God, in every single human heart, has set forth nature and conscience as ways to call you to himself. That exists. That's a baseline. That's your first call. But then on top of it, God sends a second call. God sends people to you with the gospel of Jesus Christ. God sends his word. God sends his Holy Spirit to convict you of the truth. And he brings you, again, a special, a personal, an intimate outside invitation. Outside the natural world. And here it was. So he goes out and he sends the call forth to them that were already bidden. And it says they wouldn't come. He sent forth that invitation to the Jews. 
first. And the invitation was through Moses and the prophet, just like last week. God sent all these people throughout history, a thousand years plus of calling, calling, calling them that were already bidden. He called and called, and they wouldn't come. That invitation spurned is worse in this case than it was last week. Last week, God sent messengers to come and collect something, right? We learned that God sent them to collect. And when the time comes, God's going to collect from you. He's going to want to know what you have to offer back for what he's given to you. Where's your appreciation for what he's done for you? Past, and what is your appreciation of what he wants to do for you in the future? Well, this time, he doesn't send forth anybody to ask for anything. He just wants to invite them to a feast and give to them. That makes him worse than the guys last week. God's doing that to you right now. He's calling you. He's calling your friends. He's calling your family. He's calling the whole world to a feast. He's not asking really anything of you up front. He's just saying, come to the feast. It's an open invitation to everyone. And not everybody's going to come. Sadly, they wouldn't come. So he sent forth more servants. And he told those which were bidden, I prepared oxen and fattens. He's trying to make the menu sound better. Perhaps that will get them off the fence. And they didn't come. It says they made light of it. They went their ways. This is one to his farm and one to his merchandise. The two reasons that God shows us that people refuse to come to him. One is their own life, their field, if you will, their own personal possession. It's their farm that they want to nurture for themselves. They don't want to share it. They're too busy with their passions and with their sins and with their own ideas and their own will to come. And then the others that don't come, it's because of their merchandise, which is the world. This is all the things that the world has to offer, all the glamour, everything outside of itself, all the riches of the world, all the possessions that you can accumulate, the houses, the cars, the three cars, whatever, the boats, the lands, the power. These are the reasons people don't come. And it says, interestingly, that they made light. It's like it was a small thing to them to have eternal life. You need to have a right perspective sometimes about the things of this world and your body, everything. Well, the remnant took his servants, and it says they entreated him spitefully. They slew him. They put him in dungeons like Jeremiah. Remember Jeremiah was thrown into a wet pit, a slimy well. Had to be lifted out. By an Ethiopian, a black man came and helped him and lifted him out of that. Despitefully, they went forth, and and it says that when the king heard all this, he said, it says in the scripture, he was wrath. He was, he was wroth, is the word used. He was beyond wrath. His visage was changed, just like Nebuchadnezzar when he heard this, because it was so incredulous that these people would turn down eternal life. The banquet that he offered to them. So the Jews were destroyed in 70 AD. The Romans invaded a six year invasion. They just, they just leveled the place, they cleaned it out. They destroyed the temple, which, which, by the way, if you study the Old Testament at all, you understand that without a place to sacrifice, the Jewish religion is done. There is no more place. God himself took that nation and wiped it out physically, but he also wiped it out spiritually. You hate to give a message like that, don't you? You hate to hear it. That God does get angry at sinners. Especially sinners that he invited to a banquet, which was everybody. He invited them all, and 
Then he finally said, after he got done with the history lesson about what he was going to do to the Jews, he said, go out and fill this place. Go into the highways. This feast is going to be filled. And so God sends forth the apostles and the disciples of the New Testament age with the message of Jesus Christ, death, burial, and resurrection, and ascension into heaven to lead people to that banquet. And you know what? They came in. They're coming in right now. As a matter of fact, there's some of them in this building right now. God's going to try to fill that building still. He's going to fill that wedding feast still. But sadly, it says, when he, when he, this, and this is, a, this is an interesting part of this gospel. Because he said, the doors were flung open wide. He compelled people to go out. He compelled people to go out with the message of the feast. And compelled them in. And from the highways and byways, Gentiles were driven. All the highways were all the false doctrines and all the false religions that they followed throughout the world. The pagans, the Buddhists, whoever. Still today, we're chasing them down every single highway, every single byway. And bringing back both good and bad. Good in the sense of the world and bad in the sense of the world. And we're bringing them into the banquet. That's what God wants. That's what he's still doing. He's still in the business of that. But you know what? The door's wide open. But someday... There's a thing that we pray for. It's just a preparation, a good Christian ending at the dread judgment seat of Christ. Someday, God's going to say, hey, the feast was open, and not everybody came, but a lot of people came. But not everybody that came really had on the right garment, which is righteousness. It's the righteousness that comes by faith. Believing, I did something. Jeremiah said, I believe, therefore I spoke. One follows the other. What I believe in my heart will reflect what I do. I believe that I'm going to get hit if I cross the street. I stop and wait till the car goes by. It's just natural. And so it is that God sends forth people to fill this up today, this church of ours, this holy church. It's the opening of the feast. We're, we're enjoying, as Jesus said in Luke 17, right now the kingdom of God is within you. You are, if you're a Christian, and you are sitting here in faith, you are already experiencing something about the kingdom of God. You're enjoying it. You've entered into it already. We wait for its fullness. But as we wait for its fullness, we must know that we can sit here today, but someday God's going to look at the book of our life and he's going to say, what happened? And we're not going to have necessarily on the wedding garment that enables us to stay in the feast at that dread day. This is the, I guess, the confusing thing about Christianity. We preach about the salvation of God in the here and now. But we have to understand that walking with God by faith requires something of us. Remember last week we discussed how God came and he asked, where's the fruit? They were all in the vineyard. They were all in the Jewish nation, the church of the Jews, if you will. And they were all enjoying all the things that God had set up. The tower, the wine press, which was the altar, all these things that we talked about last week. They were doing all the things that they wanted to do inside that vine press and that, and that vineyard. But not what God wanted. And someday God comes to collect the fruit thereof. And someday God comes to examine the garment of righteousness, allowing us time and space to repent, to grow, to be perfected in holiness, and to come to the measure, the full knowledge of Jesus Christ, as Paul said. These things are set before us as a challenge. And I think it's important to understand that when he says that, it, 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 sadly, that 
He was without excuse. He couldn't open his mouth. He was speechless when, he, when, when the Lord said to him, hey, where's your garment? Nice you came, but where's your garment? You had a whole lifetime to put the garment really on or to keep it on or to wash it, to develop it. He did nothing. See, this was the one that lived knowing in the back of his mind that Jesus Christ is going to judge us. And he's a stern judge, the Bible says. And yet, at the same time, we're living in delusion. Not really responding in faith to what God had done for us and was going to do for us. We were kind of empty vessels. We were naked, if you will. And still sitting in the feast, a lot of us. We're enjoying some of the feast right now. The Lord says, bind them, take them away, cast them into outer darkness, they'll be weeping and gnashing their teeth. That's such a sad, sad story. He's speaking to us Christians in quotes, Christians in prospect, Christians in reality, speaking to everyone. There's warning. It's just like with the Jews last week. There comes a time when God's saying, where's the fruit? We could say specifically that the time of bearing fruit ends the second we take our last breath. And like those Jews, it was a time when God came to ask for the account. There's going to be an account too given when at the supper, we're sitting there at the great judgment seat of Christ, complaining or proclaiming our Christianity. But every single thing will be naked and open before the eyes of him with whom we have to do. And it will be stripped away in a second, and our nakedness will be apparent or not. This is what God says. This is the meaning. The many are called, few are chosen. The calling is God's part, and becoming finally, in the end, one of the chosen has something to do with how we respond in appreciation and love for all that he's done for us in the past and all that he will do for us in the future. I think considering the greatness of the banquet that God has in store for us and considering the greatness of the one that's issuing the invitation for us to come to that banquet, I think it's time for us to step back and really understand how much God loves us and wants us to be fully clothed before him, unashamed for eternity, sharing in that banquet. He, he, he cared so much about you that he allowed his son to suffer and die on a cross for you. What's our response to this? Are we going to reject that generous invitation and go to death? Or are we going to carelessly claim a part in the kingdom and do absolutely nothing to change our life? to dedicate our lives to Jesus Christ and to his work and to all the needs that this world has, to all the pain and the sorrow and the suffering that needs to be alleviated, to all the places that are dark and the light needs to shine. Are we going to squander our time and opportunity we have? My prayer is that God will find each one of us and myself appreciative of the invitation, appreciative of who is the inviter, and that we will find and make good on all the opportunities in this life to find a spot at that great eternal feast of the heavenly kingdom. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.